Hey, everybody, this is Brian Johnson of SADC. Hi, this is Chuck Panazzo of Six. Hi, you're listening to Nancy Wilson of Heart. Hi, this is Kenny Loggins. Hi, this is John Wade. Hey, this is Martha Quinn, and if you're listening to this like I am, we're stuck in the 80s. Travel back in time to the 80s, reliving the peer pressure. I'm a nerd, and, uh, and I'm here tonight to stand up for the rights of other nerds. The health issues. I find out that I have, um, simplex 10. And the sensitivity. Like, all of a sudden, I don't feel like hanging out every night. I don't feel like hitting on women. I don't even feel like drinking milk out of the carton. Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Can you say stuck in the 80s? If I had my time again, I would do it all the same. And not change a single thing. Even when I was the blind. For the heartache and the pain. That I caused throughout my years. Welcome to Stuck in the 80s, episode 100. I am your host, as always, your good pal, Steve Spears with TampaBay.com. And with me, the man in black, Sean Daly. I love it. I love it. Happy 100th, baby. Two years in the making, my friend. You know, when we first started, you were this big. You, you could fit in the palm of my hand. And now you've blossomed into a full-blown man. You might have noticed I've... Uh got a slight weight problem. No. Yeah, I do. No. Yeah, yeah, I do. It was only a double XL. <laughs> we both we both turned into beautiful triple XLs. We've eaten our way to, to success, my friends. 100. And the only person who has been involved in all 100 episodes is my friend Steve Spears. Congratulations. Thank you very much. I never and, thought uh, we would see the day. I remember when we celebrated episode 25, I thought, wow, we've got 25 episodes under our belt. Yeah, didn't you do a clip show on episode 25? <laughs> Like a man with Laverne and Shirley had contract disputes. They did like a clip show. Yeah, it was. It's, it's pathetic when you think about it. How is it? Have you listened to it recently? Lately? No, I can't bear to listen to that thing. <laughs> I can't bear to listen to any show under like number thirty for the most part. Well, you've done a great thing here, my friend, and not to get too somber, but uh, it's. I, I'm still amazed. We were talking about it today when people from like Finland and Iceland and and New Zealand, Australia, these people are listening to you, and you've you've built something pretty cool. Yeah, pretty a, good. And I, I've tried to tarnish it. I really have. I've tried to cut the Achilles of stuck in the '80s, and yet I, I haven't succeeded. So I just went with it. I went with it. I'm a fan now, baby. I love it. <laughs> well, what we've planned for you today, we've been thinking about this for a long time. How do we how do we celebrate 100 episodes? And uh, we talked about getting a really great uh, guest star in here or interview. Thought, no, that's not going to cut it. So what we ended up deciding to do was we're going to give you – it is a clip show. Sort of. <laughs> it's a great one, though. But what we're going to do is we're going to concentrate on some of the best clips from some of the interviews that we've done over the last two years. And I know we've done about 20 interviews now, but we're only going to use really like you know a minute or two of maybe a half dozen of our favorites. Let me guess. You're going to use – Huey Lewis and I fighting. Oh, yeah. The famous Sean Daly-Huey Lewis battle. Yeah, all right. Ha, 
ha, ha. Oh, come on, Huey. It's a lousy question. Um, you're going to use Martha Quinn because you have a point for her. <laughs> oh, Martha, I used to have the biggest crush on you. Yeah. You're going to use uh, uh, Kenny Loggins. The, Kenny the, Loggins. the Raiders of the Lost Ark thing? Or are you going to use him when he singing. sings to us? Him yeah. Sing. I'm going all the way. Yeah. All right. Awesome. We're also going to include some clips of some of our favorite stories from the past two years. So you get to hear uh, Mama No all over again. Mama No. As it was originally recorded. Wow. In analog form. <laughs> <laughs> ah, the warm crackle and pop of yes. uh, Mama No on vinyl. And, of course, it wouldn't be the same Stuck in the Show without you listeners in there. So we've got about 10 fan greetings that we're going to sprinkle throughout the show um, that you guys sent in to us. And some of them are truly fantastic. Hi, this is the Martinez family from Cedar Park, Texas. Happy 100th episode. One thing I said that I would never do. Now, let me ask you a question, Steve. You've been here from the beginning. Um, was there a moment when you realized you were on to something here with Stuck in the 80s? Was there a moment, like maybe a, a certain interview, that where you're like, wow, I can't believe this is happening. This is, you know, this is pretty good. Um, you know, it's, that's an interesting question. I think when I first realized it, you know, people were talk people were coming up to me and saying, you know, people downstairs are talking about the podcast. People who I didn't even know. I mean, for the most part, when I started, I just kind of figured it'd be kind of a a, a laugh that me and my friends could just kind of have. You know, I didn't think anybody that didn't know me would actually listen to it. And so when I found out that people were listening to it um, around the building, even that surprised me. And then when we started getting emails in from like California, I thought that that was impressive. You get a crap load of fan mail, and people like the show. Has anyone ever said you suck? Because I, oh, yeah. I get gobs, being the pop music critic here at the, at the St. Pete Times, I get gobs of hate mail, people just saying, you're, you're an a-hole, you blow. <laughs> no, nothing. There's been times when people have emailed in and said, I completely disagree with everything you said on that show. Or, you know. Aha, uh -huh. you got a lot of shit for calling Aha uh -huh one-hit wonder, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. But there were some other shows where uh, people wrote in and said, I can't believe you made fun of, you know, Molly Ringwald. I mean, actually, the worst emails we ever got were after the Molly Ringwald interview and the interview with Tom Wopat. And those are two of your least favorite. Those are my two least favorite ones. And it's and it's also it's probably no coincidence that those are two actors versus you, we usually talk to musicians, right? And it bothered me for the longest time trying to think about what what is it about? I mean, the two acting interviews that were so bad. And then I kind of realized that you know actors once they do a movie. They move on. They don't have to sit there and play the same part over and over again for the next 20 years. Musicians, on the other hand, you know, when we talk to Brian Johnson and we talk to Kenny Loggins and, and Huey Lewis, they still play the same songs from 20 years ago. So right. they're, they're, whether they like it or not, they are forever still kind of stuck in the 80s, whereas you know, Molly Ringwald would just as soon have the Breakfast Club fall off the face of the earth. You know, I say it all the time, and I'm, I'm, I'm always dealing with this, but athletes and actors – are very very different from musicians from a from a uh, an interview standpoint. And I've told you this theory before. Yeah, that I can go backstage and have the best time with Eddie Money or Robin Zander from Cheap Trick, but then when I try to talk to an athlete, these guys are kind of rigid. I think it's a matter that the musician. It's all about personality. 
in order to go out there and be successful and go on that stage and, and be really popular, he has to have personality, and that's what you deal with. Whereas an athlete, he just has to be really good at hitting the shit out of the ball or scoring touchdowns. And with actors, I think actors, again, they based on personality, but it's not they're playing a part, you know? Anyway, just the theory. My personal thing when I realized, like, man, Spears is really done, it was stuck in the 80s, was the Brian Johnson interview. Was the ACDC Brian Johnson interview. And I'm like, oh, man. And people gave me crap because I totally slipped into my rock star tough guy. Yeah, you did. But, uh, but I would love to hear a clip of that again. Uh, Brian Johnson, either him talking about um, U2, I believe it says taking the piss out of the edge, or um, yeah, let's just do that one. He we asked Brian Johnson what it was like to go. They were inducted into the Hall of Fame, right? The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and we asked him what it was like. And uh, this is not the answer we expected. Well, it was good. I enjoyed it. I uh, well, really enjoyed it. I mean, apart from the edge would have you too making a complete taunt of himself. Uh, <laughs> it was good. What did he do? What did he do? Oh, well, we were on stage, we had to sing, you know, we got ready, the priest said, let's go, and everybody had to go up, and you had to make a speech, and he was inducting the clash, you know, who we all love, you know, everybody loves him. And uh, and we're standing there, and the priest said, and he kept on, he, he talked for 25 minutes. Uh, and uh, it was, it was oh, and at the end, we're coming up behind us going, hey, book it off. <laughs> Get off. Those guys from you too, they only want to and, uh, shut up. Nah, but, nah, those puppies are so far up their own asses, it's just impossible to talk to them. They cannot hear you. They're up right up, their head's right up amongst yeah. the intestinal parts of their body. But yeah. hey, that's just me. Yeah. <laughs> Other people might think they're the sweetest guys on the planet. Yeah. But, uh, I just, you know, it was just, uh, it was disrespectful and it was dumb. And, yeah. uh, and it, just like the sound of his own voice. I mean, the poor producer there, the TV, he's gone, God almighty, how do I get this guy off? Well, at least it was the edge and it wasn't Bono. If it had been Bono, he'd be up there for about an hour and he's a half. He's still talking now. Yeah, I yeah, yeah, know, my son. And, and, but that, that was a lovely story. And, and, you know, when he was up in Glasgow, I'm sure everybody's heard it now, when he clapped his hand, he was clapping his hand, like, you know, bang. Yeah. And he said, every time I clap my hand, a child in Africa dies. And what? a kid at the front said, well, stop clapping your hands, you cruel <laughs> bastard. That was an amazing clip, and I remember when when Sean and I were here, and we were in the we were in the the podcast studio, we were staring at each other with these wide eyes, like I can't believe he's telling us this story. He's going to regret it, but Brian Johnson doesn't regret anything. Anyway, I think the better story with Brian Johnson is when he tells us about how he wrote the song Hell's Bells, and here's what he told us. When you make an album like Back in Black, you got to know. I mean, it's a classic. It's perfect. Well, you have I didn't to... have a clue. Did you really not? I mean, have I was a clue? just so desperately trying to write the, the the words down as fast as I could because the next day the next track would be ready. Right here you go. Write the one with this one. It's called Hell's Bells. What's it about? <laughs> we don't know. Just Hell's Bells. <laughs> oh, and yeah, they great. came out. Any ideas? Nah. Oh, and I, that, like for that one, I was sitting in my room. <laughs> well, a room. More, it was more like a cell. You know, little concrete cells on the beach, and um. And, and this big thunderstorm came in, and I was going, oh, hang on a minute. And I'm, I'm rolling thunder. Then it pissed down with rain, you know, I'm pouring rain. Oh, and then the wind picked up, and I just, well, I'm coming on like a hurricane. And that was the end of it, really. That was the, it was dead easy after that. I just, uh, just got going. Yeah, that was, uh, I, I, I felt I was there with him. I saw the storm coming in, you know? And then we met him after we interviewed him. We met him, was it the very next night 
or two nights later or something like that. Two nights later, right. And he, he was the nicest guy in the world. And he's like, Sean, me boy. You know, meeting him, and he met you, and he was thanking us. He was so gracious that we would, you know, hype this. He was doing the charity event right. at Ruth Eckerd uh, clear, at, uh, in Clearwater. But uh, anyway, he you know, was... they're coming back and doing that again this spring. Oh, really? Yeah. With a different lineup? or It'll still be uh, Brian and Cliff Williams from ACDC, but they're going to have different opening acts. Is there any talk about who it might be? No, not yet. I just heard about it the other day. And it's funny that we talk about Brian Johnson because another interview I just did last night was with... Uh, Klaus Mina from uh, the Scorpions, their lead singer, and his the best story in that interview was him talking about meeting Brian Johnson. Oh, really? Brian Johnson coming on stage with the Scorpions in Tampa for "Rocky Like a Hurricane." Oh, wow! And then Brian carries Klaus around the entire arena <laughs> on his shoulders. I think is there anybody in this world that doesn't love Brian Johnson or who hasn't been on his shoulders? Well, he's stocking. He's a strong strong dude yeah we definitely got some of the best reader email after that interview it was something else i mean i remember when it was over sean felt falls out of his seat and rolls around on the podcast studio floor which i was and i was just, it was totally just shocking. really tenderly rubbing my nipples too <laughs> uh yeah that was amazing that was really the that was my favorite interview we've had a lot of good ones what's another one of your faves you know one that was a big surprise was kenny loggins now kenny loggins i wasn't expecting a lot out of Kenny Loggins. I mean, I kind of thought he'd be a little shy, a little reserved. I didn't expect playful from him. And I didn't expect the great stories that he gave us. And what I really didn't expect was what he would do when we asked him about the song Nobody's Fool from Caddyshack 2. Let's take a listen. Again, the best thing about that movie is right, that yeah. song. I mean, I turned, I turned the movie off at 2.06 after the song was over. Yeah. Do you do Nobody's Fool in concert No. No, I haven't, but you're making me think I should. You should. Oh, it really is. You, my God, that chorus is just... Yeah. It's crazy good. I have to drop it at least a whole step now, though. That was so high. That was the it highest is. note I could sing back then, probably a B. No, that would be a... Probably a C sharp. I'm going all the way. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Best podcast ever. Thank you. You made my day. Yeah, that uh, Kenny Long's is great. I had the, the the High Adventure album when I was a kid. And another thing I like about that interview is he talks about. Our personal, our favorite duet, Don't Fight It, Kenny Loggins and Steve Perry. And where did he get the bullwhip noise? They stole it. They stole the bullwhip from the locker of uh, Indiana Jones. <laughs> Raiders of the Lost Stark. Stark. Can you believe brilliant. that? Just brilliant. Brilliant. He was, he was an amazing interview. He was definitely, uh, he was not the hardest person to get. The hardest person to get that we ever interviewed was uh, Thomas Dolby. I had to ask repeatedly for that one and uh it was just me doing that interview it was the first time i think i had ever done an interview solo because the only time we could talk to him was late at night one night when he was on the tour bus but uh the only um you talked to him for like 40 minutes didn't oh, you it lasted forever yeah and he was great and uh for some reason i mean it was just one of those really hard interviews to get i mean some people like brian johnson were not hard at all other people like thomas dolby impossible but uh what other uh clips come to mind sean um, you know, Martha Quinn's was fun. I mean, we can't have a, we can't do our show this hundredth show and not talk about Martha Quinn because for me it was really a thrill because I got off on the whole dynamic of Martha Quinn, the face, you know, the pixie, the pixie doll face of the '80s, and my friend Steve Spears here stuck in the '80s. It was like two great '80s forces clashing, belly bucking like mighty Walry. 
Is that the plural of walrus? It's probably walruses. But anyway, um, uh, that's great. So I like Martha Quinn, and she talks about, we made a joke saying that I bet you get doughy white guys like uh, Steve and I hitting on you all the time, saying they have a crush on you, and she addresses that. No, this is what happens, and it's always a double-edged sword to me, because I know people are trying to be nice. I know they are, but it always like has a little, uh, you know, kind of funny aftertaste. Mm-hmm. So when somebody says, oh, Martha, I used to have the biggest crush on you. Uh, I was like, oh, you, you, oh, so who do you have a crush? Just a typical female. Oh, really? Well, who do you have a crush on now? Yeah, Bastard. it's backhanded. Yeah, Bastard. see, but but you know what, Martha, you have that that Dick Clark blood in you where you don't age. Yeah, you I know. You still look as adorable and cute as you did 20 years ago. Thank you. I'm I'm a little like I'm afraid that I'll be like Dick Clark and be like, oh no, you know, people won't love me if I don't like look like a teenager, and I'll go down that road of getting. You know, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of plastic surgery, so I can hang on to that. That is a fantastic answer from Martha. You know, she was probably, you know, you, you think of Brian Johnson as being the biggest get. To me, I think Martha Quinn was probably the that moment where I really thought, holy crap, this thing's reached a... You know, yeah, and, and just explain how we do it. You know, we call. You know, either the uh, the artist calls us or we call them, and there's a little, usually a little bit of chatter, and then we bookend the. We kind of do a formal interview f- to run on the air. But with Martha, as soon as we put her on, we got into this conversation with her. You know, and right. she was great. Where we just kept talking, and she was talking about being obsessed with Britney, and Britney had just done something ridiculous. You know. And uh, and so we never even really we just kind of let that thing. It was like Sea Biscuit, you know. It just kind of just started, you know. There's yeah. no starting gate. And and it, we, she's actually the second um, person we've actually interviewed from MTV. We did Adam Curry way back in year number one, and that was much more awkward because I, mean, I think I was much more intimidated by Adam Curry than by Martha. By the time we did Martha Quinn, I think I kind of you know, had my feet under me. But uh, hey, you know, this podcast wouldn't be possible without a lot of our fans. And I want to pause here because. Probably one of our biggest fans of all is David Peterkovsky out in Oakland, California, who who crafts the little zippy show openers you hear each week. Brilliant. And he spent he sent us in a special uh, fan greeting. Let's uh, let's hear from our friend David Peterkovsky. Hi, Stuck in the 80s gang. This is Dave Peterkovsky from Oakland, California, and I want to congratulate you on reaching the 100th episode of Stuck in the 80s. It seems like just yesterday when Steve co-hosted that very first episode. I think it was just after his 57th birthday, right? Sorry, Steve, I couldn't resist. But seriously, the show's come a long way since then, and you all deserve a lot of credit for doing such a bang-up job in looking back at what is simply the best decade ever. Congrats again to you guys, and remember, just like you, I'm stuck in the 80s. Man, that Peter Kofsky's a smooth SOB, isn't he? Yeah. Who put that James Ingram? Was that you who put it under him, or he he, did? He he built that exactly as you put it. (laughs) I love James Ingram. Peter Kofsky is funny. That's a good one. That's yeah. a good one. I talk to him about every week about our shows, and uh, he gives a good critical eye to it. Do we have, have we heard from Six? Six is my favorite Six listener. Six is here. Six is the very last person to get a fan greeting in. Uh... Our relationship with Six has been rather tumultuous. It's been a tumultuous relationship. She's been a loyal, beloved listener to Stuck in the 80s, but she calls us on our guff. She calls us on our guff a lot. On our, you know, when we get a little too uh, locker roomish, Six will keep us in check. But I'm glad she called. I'm glad. So we have a fan greeting from her? Yep. You want to hear it? Let's hear it. I do. I love her. 
Hello, this is Six calling from New York to congratulate you guys on your 100th episode. You know, it's because of you guys, I'm still stuck in the 80s. I mean, I tried to pry myself out of there with a crowbar, but it didn't work, so I'm still firmly rooted in the 80s with you guys. I love you. Congratulations. You rock my socks off. It just wouldn't have been the same without her, would it? She's got a sexy voice. She does. She's yet to. That's a great. Sure that's a great fan over. greeting. That's a great fan greeting. Every month, I send her an email and ask for a photo. And every uh, month you're, yeah, that's your hairy knuckled pursuit of uh, of pictures. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't hear from Sarah Hall, did we? No, nope. she left us in the dust, missing in action. <laughs> oh many man, fans that we've kind of lost along the way, or not lost so much as chased away. Because you sent you sent her a picture of you, didn't you? It wasn't without my trousers. Without <laughs> trousers. All right. Well, what's your favorite story we've ever told? You know, my I'm going to say it's Sean uh, versus the Batman. <laughs> really, me versus Batman over the, over the Norway story? There's something. There's something about this story that hits home. Chances of me ever going to Norway and seeing a topless uh, 13 year old aren't nearly as good as. Uh, Identifying with Sean in this particular story, where he, and uh, I, I can't even introduce it. We're just gonna have to let it roll. Are you ready? Let's hear it. But anyway, nineteen in, in the summer of nineteen eighty nine, uh, I was nineteen years old in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and I thought it would be a great idea to take a summer job as an usher in a movie theater. Now, this would be the first of many jobs in which I wore an incredibly dorky uniform. I would later <laughs> be a bellboy. That's the worst. You have to wear a little. Pillow box. No, hat. but I wear this like they give me these. And same thing with the with the uh, movie theater. They give you these polyester uniforms that would fit once, and then your mom would wash them, and then you know, I mean, the <laughs> buttons are about to shoot off. And so already picture me with the, the buttons. I just scream and on this thing. You can see big patches of skin going down. You know, I'd be like, <laughs> and I was a ticket taker, which wasn't that bad. You know, it's like, and sometimes you'd see your buddies, and they'd be like, hey, you know, uh, monkey boy or something like that. They they make fun of me. I'd be like, all right, you know, get in there. You're not getting in the free. Anyway, that summer, there was um, the big blockbusters were, were uh, the third Indiana Jones movie, uh, Dead Poet Society. But the big one of the summer was Batman. It was Tim Burton's Batman. That was okay? a great movie. Now, when that movie, on opening night, that, you know, the, the place was just mobbed. But it was, <laughs> it was mobbed with people wearing, dressed up. Like, you know, I gotta, I gotta just rip the Riddler's ticket. You know, like all the guys, the Batman nerds, are coming in dressed as various, you know, characters. And the place is just mobbed, and the lines at the concession stand are just, are, 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 are epic. They're epic. And, um, and so they're like, listen, Sean, we're taking you away from Terran tickets. You gotta go back and serve people popcorn. <laughs> well, for some reason, in my mind, Terran tickets is kind of manly and cool, like, hey, and I could do like shtick. But like, somehow going back and serving popcorn was really emasculating. Well, I go back there and I'm serving popcorn, and, and all of a sudden, um, I see Molly Sherman, <laughs> your my first, first girlfriend, girlfriend who yeah. I, I think I referenced during this show or maybe the last show. And Molly Sherman's in line to get popcorn. She's with this guy. And he's kind of a hunky guy. And here I am in my my monkey suit. And my buttons are screaming. So this is after you got like butter and like and like all the you know the Riddlers you know asking for juju bees <laughs> and stuff like that. Well, all of a sudden I start talking to the manager like, "Listen, you got to get me out of back." So you'd already here. broken up with her at this point. Oh yeah, this is like five years. This is like four, three years later, three wow. or four years later. But yeah. I don't want Molly to see me like this in the stand. I got like butter stains on me, you know. And so right in front of her though. 
is a guy in a Batman outfit. <laughs> and he's all fat. He's got to be like a 300-pound Batman. And he's got the mask, the tight plastic mask on his face. And it's just his eyes. And, you know, and I'm about, you know, Batman wants popcorn. And so Batman's right there. And so Batman wants popcorn. He's getting kind of agitated because the movie's about this night, you know. And I'm sure the suit's kind of hot. But right behind him is Molly Sherman and this hunk boyfriend. But I'm fighting with the manager saying, you got to get me out of here. You, I, you know, my, you know my, my, my ex-girlfriend can't see me back here serving popcorn and the manager's like are you saying that you know uh, servers are, are you know are beneath you and i'm like i don't want to get into this right now you gotta put me somewhere else well batman's like come on you know like batman's getting mad and i'm fighting and molly sure all of a sudden molly sees me and so now the jig is up i'm like oh man so finally you know i serve batman you know and he goes off with the cape crusader or whatever and molly comes up and it's just awful you know and so after, uh, and so then, like after the movie starts, you know, I go back to my usher jobs, and I'd have to clean up. I'd have to clean up the theater after every movie, and the Batman crowd was a mess. I mean, it was really, really bad. And as I'm cleaning up, and the you know the lights are still kind of, you know, kind of half on, half off. Right. And the, the I you know the Prince song is playing. I think the song that they play over the credits is "Scandalous." I don't know what we're gonna play from the Batman movie, but. Um, I see Molly and the boyfriend. They're still there, and they're kind of canoodling. Oh, no. Making out? Yeah, making out. Here I am in my Jerry Lewis <laughs> uniform, you know, and, like, I'm feeling really low. So, anyway, there's me. It's just the scene. is like the prince is playing, and Molly and there. There I am scooping up, you know, Batman's jujubes <laughs> on the floor. Classic Sean Daly story. And that's actually one of the stories that uh, our readers have requested to hear the most on the 100th anniversary. versus the Batman. Have you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight? We had a stretch where um, you would, each week you would uh, regale us, it seems like, with a story of some sort of, uh, of you on a date. With You usually broke their heart. Um, and you'd, Hard you'd, to believe now. And, uh, <laughs> and you'd have some sort of, like, we, re- we really haven't told those stories in a while. I've used them all up. That's what's sad. God, you had some great ones. And I remember um, I was giving you a hard time once. Oh, and you had, Sting, you, you, the infamous to- Sting story. And I heard from, I think it was Bass Note, who I, I'm really fond of now, but somebody just ripped me like, Sean, shut the hell up. Is that what you want to hear? You want to hear the infamous Sting story? Your story's so good, but I don't shut my mouth. I'm, I, I'm actually yeah. trying to you know, want to hear a story, snippet of it. Yeah. This story should have, should have lasted about 45 seconds. <laughs> Instead, as you'll notice, it lasts about five minutes thanks to uh, the, the, the over-inquisitive Mr. Daly. Let's give him a snippet. <laughs> what? I was going to say, forget it. It's just I'm okay. editing myself. Go ahead. Okay, here we go. Here's the story. Let me get jump into it. These were the days, remember, when you could wear you had jeans that had all the pockets in them all the way up and down your... No, Steve. <laughs> yeah. I never wore jeans like that. Well, I did. <laughs> Jackass. You remember when they had those and you weren't supposed to wear them? Yes. yes. And that was probably then, too. Yeah. Is this a chess king thing? No. This was probably a the gap kind of thing. But uh, anyway, filled every one of my pockets with bags, Ziploc bags full of rum. <laughs> and went to the show with her. And I'd never really partied with her, so I didn't know if she was a lightweight, you know, heavyweight. She liked to drink a lot. She drank like a fish. I mean, I literally had like eight pockets so let me get full this of rum. Straight. You have these flimsy little and and Ziploc technology Jeep back was in not, not was not what, what it is today because you get that bulky lock thing. So you got these flimsy little wet bags <laughs> that you're pouring. They look cheap like ass they look like into. you know what they look like. They look like little silicon bags that you <laughs> would. Uh, no, stop doing that. <laughs> stop, stop, puppy. God, it's puppy. like James Gum and Sounds of the Lambs. Why don't you just tuck your <laughs> between your legs and get it over with? <laughs> 
Anyway, <laughs> as the show careens. Wait, so I mean, you know, like really? You, so you, you fill watch up wrong. The train track wreck. <laughs> don't spit my eye. I just say, please don't spit my eye. Here's the deal. Okay. okay. So, we, so yes, I have all these. Bags. Did they leak? There must have been a lot yes. of leakage. Yes, there was. He looks like he smelled peed like in his a, pants. Must have smelled like Captain so Morgan. We, we, get, we got loaded during the show. Obviously, when we were drinking. So what? You go to the concession stand, you'd buy a Coke, Coke, Coke and then you pour your rum into it. Right. Are you okay. guys sharing one cup? Uh, probably. Yeah. And so we just got. And you know how I like to make my drinks, you know, strong. And uh, I don't know, Steve. We never <laughs> hang out. <laughs> and uh, so she gets drunk, and before. Sting is even halfway through his set. I'm having to cut her off to the bathroom. Oh. To hurl? To barf? Yeah. She's barfing everywhere. All over oh. the all over the oh. floor. Allie. Allie's hurling everywhere. Allie. And wow. uh, people are coming Allie. out of the bathroom Don't going, are you, are you with that girl in there? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, I don't think she's going to make it. And I'm like, well, oh, I, 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 uh, so I'm literally going to the concession Just, stand. Wait, wait. God. Does everyone barf at shows with you? <laughs> wait, first of all, how many pockets did you have in those I'm, t- I'm telling you, a lot. But so how many you, pockets on each side? At least three. So three? There's, so there's, I'm talking, there was two full bottles of rum that I in had In these baggies? Yeah. yeah. What the size of these baggies? These are like <laughs> turkey. I just, finally, I just figured bag. out that you just poured the rum into the baggies i was thinking they yeah. were like little miniatures no no okay. no no wow I'm a the slow. hence wow. the uh they look like wow. artificial breasts but the uh so people are coming out going i don't know if she's gonna make it she looks she's Jeez. really bad and stings off. up there stings, stings doing up there hits. he's still doing his shit. Hits, yeah. and what's great is i can actually still watch sting from the view from the bathroom and still keep an eye are on you her. in the women's room with her no i'm right outside the door so and I, people are coming to the door saying, we don't think she's going to make it. And you can hear her barfing in there. Oh, yeah. And uh, so I start going to the concession stand and buying food for them to send back in so she has something to you know soak it up, soak up the alcohol. Yeah, a little too to, late there, Steve. Little too late. Little Maybe too you should have took her to dinner <laughs> yeah. before you Instead took her to the liquored her up. you think maybe she could at least have gotten a dinner out of so it. Anyway. Instead of buying the second bottle of rum, buy her filet of fish, man. <laughs> You know? Chicken McNuggets, yeah, come on! Nuggets, that could have. Well, go ahead. Well, anyway, so she finally does, you know, kind of get through it. You so know. you're thinking you're definitely not getting any action now. Well, I didn't. To make a long story short, with her, but, uh, but ew, oh, really? same what? night? No, no, oh, not with her. God, not with. Is... Listen to the story. So she comes out and she's ready to walk home. She falls down at one point, you know, and smashes the remaining three bags of rum that I have in my pants. Which they all burst, soaking my <laughs> pants now completely. With and you deserved it. Which I deserved. <laughs> I just, they still think she had a good time. Ah, uh, jeez, I'm really sorry about that. I was hyper. I probably had too many runts. It was a good story, and uh, you know, whatever happened to that girl? Um, you know, actually, I heard from her in the last two years. She emailed. She's in Chicago now. She's a chiropractor, and um, I told her about the show. I told her I was going to tell the sting story. And she said she was fine with that, just as long as I didn't use her last name. Yeah, because I, I guess and never know, call me again. Board of medical practices or something <laughs> yeah. like that. I might not. Uh, um, you know, I, I I give you a lot of grief on the show, and I always joke about your hairy knuckled pursuit of young ladies. But uh, you get a lot of email, a lot of flirty email from people. You do have a way about you, Spears. You have a way about you with the ladies, <laughs> and a lot of our uh, a lot of fans do like to flirt with you. And I think we have a fan greeting where somebody is uh, is flirting a bit. Is this true? I don't know. Let's just let the listeners decide. 
Hey guys, this is Carla in Nashville, Tennessee. And I know how everyone has always said that Kathy had the sexiest voice on the show. But you know, I believe it's Steve with the sexiest voice. When I hear him say, hey, hey, this is Steve Spears from TampaBay.com, I know I could be forever stuck in the 80s with him. Congratulations on your 100th show. Looking forward to many more. You sly dog, you. No one ever says I have a good voice. I sound like I got uh, tangerine stuck up my nose. I'm whiny. <laughs> That's the first I've heard that description. I was going to say kumquats, but they just weren't there. It's kind of a Florida thing. I don't know if that converts. Yeah, national. you know, I want to convert New Zealand. Um, yeah, well, good for you, Carla Bryant. Have you asked her for a picture yet? Uh... That's, I don't think so. Yeah, you might want to get on that, <laughs> <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> hey, you know, before we get any deeper in the show, there's two people out there that really, you know, are as important to the show as you or me, and that's um, Gina Vivanetto, who was our first host. I love her. I know, and Dave Morrison, who was our very first producer. Love her. Oh, sorry. And, uh, <laughs> hey, for the show, we decided to give them a ring and see what they're up to, so... Uh, on the phone with us now, the very first co-host of Stuck in the 80s, Miss Gina Vivanetto. How you doing? Hello, Steve. Hi, Sean. Hi, Gina. You How know, are you guys doing? You know, with, with all apologies to, to Kathy Waz, I always thought Gina had the hotter uh, voice yeah. on the podcast. Yeah, definitely. There's something about your voice that drives me wild. Yeah. Well, Gina Vivanetto, where are you right now? I am right now. I'm living in Washington, D.C., where I'm still a faithful, stuck-in-the-80s enthusiast. Bull crap. Do you still listen to us? I still leave nasty comments on Steve's blog. She's base note. <laughs> dirty, dirty things. What did you say? Uh, it's just an inside, inside joke. Oh. That's only funny like seven people. Uh, yeah, go <laughs> ahead. You're in D.C. Oh, I live in D.C. Right now I'm in Virginia, but I live in D.C. And you're possibly, do you want to speak about who you're possibly working for, or would you like to keep that under wraps? Um, I, I probably should keep that quiet. Right awesome. <laughs> Mystery. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Well, Gina, we, we... But it's more in a direction that I wanted to go in before, which is probably how I got myself into trouble. Awesome. Well, well we, will, um, we will give people updates if, uh, if everything comes to pass there. Cool. But we still miss you a lot, and we love Kathy... But she was far too nice to us. Yeah, I, I know. I know. You would I basically... would try to get her and grab her by the lapel and toughen her up and tell her to be mean to you guys and and to torment you and you be were bossy. You were so <laughs> awesome at bitch slapping Steve and I around. Yeah, well, you know, it's my upbringing. And we <laughs> liked it. We give liked us, it. Give too. us one. Like, give us a nice bitch slap for old times' sake. Yeah. Well, uh, why don't you Google it, Steve? <laughs> <laughs> How's that? Uh, that's good. Hey, do you have any uh, favorite moments from when you were on the show? Every time I was with the two of you alone in that little room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but then I'd have to interrupt you guys and say, let, let me join in. You know, <laughs> you never did. No, no. No, no. We didn't think we'd go on without Gina. Yeah. No. Um, um, I don't know. I don't know if I have a favorite moment. I had a lot of fun doing it. That was uh, the most fun thing I did that whole year. You well, know, should... that and dying. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> I it was tell... really fun. I should tell people now that uh, if you've only listened to recent shows, you should go back and listen to some of the earlier shows because Gina's uh, nothing short of brilliant. Nothing short of brilliant. <laughs> yeah, short of I, th- brilliant. I think she was there for the first twenty-five shows or so. First twenty-five right. shows. Yeah. And what's kind of nice was. 
when when you left, you sort of gave us one of your best friends, Kathy Wass, who at the time was, was billed as being cooler than you and me put together. Yes, right. Or as Kathy Sean is likes one of my very say, best friends, who I'm sure you'll talk to her, but she's out in Seattle now. So, yeah. you yeah. know, we're, we're, we're spreading the whole Stuck in the 80s franchise all across the, the nation. Well, I was curious, when Steve starts cashing in uh, uh, on Stuck in the 80s, uh, like, um, merchandise, are you going to try to reap some of that for yourself since you oh, yeah, helped yeah. develop the show? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to see the pants off of them, yeah. yeah. I'm looking forward to that battle. That's it, of course, good. it was all entirely Steve's idea, everything about it, every step of the way. It was Steve's idea until I got on board, and I then I, I, I kind of took over. I don't, I don't believe that at all. Hey, so... No, we can't keep right now. It's just Steve and I doing the show, and obviously we can't keep having the same sausage hang here week in and week out. We need a new co-host, and we wanted to ask you who you thought would be the perfect not 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 so much the person, their name, but who would be a good type. Who should Steve and I look for for our new co-host? Um, you mean within the the Times organization? No, just no, just no anybody. Kind of like who 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 does it take? Who do we need? You want this all? You want me to tell you all this, and you're going to tape it? <laughs> I just need the type of person. Should they be uh, boisterous? Should they it be? Should be a girl who can rein you two in, but and also put up with all of your dirty, disgusting jokes. And she should be chesty. Someone <laughs> chesty, yeah, to keep up with me and Kathy. Which no, not at all. But someone who can keep their their you know keep abreast of the situation. Yes. <laughs> oh, you're still you still got it. You well, still you two got are it. Goofing around, you know. How about her? How about uh, her morally casual attitude? <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. She you have to be. You have to be flexible. This reminds me of an old yes. Asian proverb. You know, if you're like the grass and you're flexible, you will bend with I the wind. It. If you're not and you're like bamboo, you will break with the wind. So Asian, you have to be like grass, chesty, you know? and flexible. I think I like we think this. we got our next co-host. Thinking gymnast, maybe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I miss yeah. Gina. I miss you know Gina, that I little do. Dominique Monachawa, whatever her name is, she's probably Monchichi. old enough to do it now. Yeah, Dominique Monchichi. She'd Carrie be perfect. Strug. You know, if you talk to Kathy, ask her what her favorite Bella Caroli quote is, because it's, <laughs> stick it, Kathy! <laughs> no one has a grasp of popular culture like Gina Vivanetto. No. no. It's amazing. You just pull this stuff out of a hat like a magician, like a dirty, sexy magician. Dirty, dirty one. I am. I'm a dirty, dirty magician. That's how I like to see myself. All right, Gina. I can't take this anymore. I got being uh, talking to you again. It's getting me all hot and bothered. We got to cut you loose. Okay. I got to move on. I I got Steve. Is that all right? Very mutual. It's very mutual, really. I do miss you. I do, and that's sincere. I do miss you too. That comes from deep within. Deep within. Hey, and good luck in Washington D.C. Thank you. I used to hang out in DuPont Circle a lot. I'd rather not talk about that right now. It's in my past. But, you mean uh, the Fruit Loop? <laughs> hey. Hey, give us, the, give us the closing line for the show one last time for all posterity. Okay. Um, so I just remember we would always say that until next week, we're stuck in the 80s. <laughs> Woohoo! That's still it. Anyway, Gina, we love you. I love you too, you guys. Have all right. fun. All right. Is it, it's great hearing her voice again. She always had a sexy voice, yeah. And she's smart as a whip. I, her pop culture knowledge, I'm always astounded by it. You can drop any reference and she'll pick it up. I miss Gina a lot. I wish she her well. She was great. I still remember that first show that her, when she and I sat down. And literally, we did it in one take. We never stopped. We never had any snafus. It lasted about 13 minutes when we talked about The Breakfast Club. I can't imagine we talked about an entire movie in 13 minutes. You and I can't even get over what we ate for lunch in 13 minutes. Right. But... um 
back then it was just me, her, two microphones, and a tape recorder. She was awesome. I, got, I, I, I love Kathy Waz. I really, really do. And we had some fun with Sharon Fink has done the show. Gina, no one put us in our place better than Gina Vivanetto. I mean, she really, really did. Kathy had a totally different style, but Gina could just... And like I still have, I still have the infamous Gina insult montage. Can we hear it? Let's hear it. Oh, You're such God. a pig. Yep. God, can't you just watch a movie because a movie's good? You have to Google it, Steve. Yeah, yeah, oh, but no, go watch Falcon Crest, Chase. Okay. Don't encourage him. You're yeah. an idiot. You're dumb. You're, you're dismissed. Okay. Oh, now you guys hold hands. <laughs> we already were. The cinematic great that it is, and Steve is uh, stupid, but I point that out every week. Um, well, that's, you're really not a nice guy. Not I thought, not, you know, I only agreed to do this whole stuck in the 80s thing with you because I thought you were a nice boy who would never do things like that to a girl at a I YouTube concert. I was 16 concert. years old. What did you expect from me? Well, I'm very disappointed in you. Like a, a tight ass. Okay, well, you know, if anyone's gonna get this whole podcast uh, thing totally ripped off the air, it's gonna be Sean. Can you not, can you every know, week Chase. somehow manages to talk about abusing himself and and doing things with Molly Sherman and oh, Steve and I keep for, it clean. We keep yeah. it clean, and you come on with your smut mouth and wonder why it's we a don't nice have moment. you. It's a nice moment. Nice week moment. After, it is. I feel warm all over, <laughs> like I've been thoroughly spanked and sent to bed early. Uh, Gina was great, and uh, you know I loved having uh, the maestro, producer Dave, with us. He's another one. Let's see if we can get Dave on the phone. Guys, how are you? Oh, man, I miss that voice. I miss uh, that voice. I miss you guys, too. Readers, how many times are, read- or readers, how many times are listeners hear that voice? Uh, half a dozen times. Half a dozen times. So yeah. it wasn't like, yeah, a little yeah, bit think, like Charlie think, and Charlie's Angels. <laughs> I think the only time that uh, that I ever got my voice on the show was uh, during the trivia tests, uh, yeah. the, the trivia shows, and uh, maybe a little bit during the Stan Ridgeway interview. That was about it. Well, tell us, Dave, you've been with the show probably as long as anybody, Next, I guess next to me, right. the longest on the show. What are your uh, what memories come back to your? Uh... What's your favorite show? Do you have yeah, a favorite, favorite show? show? Tell us your favorite show, or at least well, a... that's a that's a tough one because I mean the the show's changed a little bit as you know as the co-hosts changed. Uh, uh, I came into it I guess right around the fifth episode I believe, and um, I think probably well the one that always sticks in my mind are, you know are the stories that uh, Sean would tell about <laughs> about being overseas and uh, and. And Mama No, <laughs> yeah, I gotta get Mama No on T-shirts. We had some T-shirts made. <laughs> yeah, I, I uh, those were great shows. I mean, they're just you know they were they were good for different reasons. I mean, the interview shows were were always interesting because we never really knew where they were going to go. Right. We still don't. <laughs> we still have no idea where they're going right. to go. That's right. You've you've still got some time to mess this one up. If you yeah. Want. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, we miss you terribly. Tell you know. Us, uh, tell us if you can. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that happens, obviously, behind the scenes here in the show. Uh, any of those kind of stories come come to mind? Did it ever distract you that I record podcasts in the nude, Dave? Well, <laughs> my my, yeah. my my manly yeah, chest admit, hair was uh, that uh, I, I you got get lost. A funny there? feeling down there. When, uh, <laughs> doing those uh, a little tingle down below. Well, yeah, somewhere in my animals, as you would usually say. <laughs> But uh, I mean, they, the shows were always kind of a, a challenge, and I mean, I I loved doing them, and I jumped at the chance of of getting involved with them because 
I mean, I'm I'm older than I'm probably older than both of you put together. Well, maybe not that old. No, you got to remember, Steve's like 65 years old. Oh uh, yeah, that's true. I saw him over at the Social Security office <laughs> yeah. the other day too. And uh, but you know, the the thing that that I I grew up uh, really in the 60s and the 70s, you know, and listening to radio all the time. So when I got involved with the shows, I really knew, uh, you know, some of the things that I wanted to bring to the show, uh, just you know, production. And the fact that I was a huge 80s fan just helped out a lot because I at least knew, you know, most of the music that we were talking about and could suggest things and bring things to the show that, uh, you know, that maybe that Steve hadn't thought of. So that worked out really well for me. I just, I loved it. Are you suggesting there's something about the 80s that I don't know about? <laughs> oh, no, no, you're, you're, still, you're still ahead of me there. Dave, how many times were you listening to a show and you thought, wow, this show really sucks? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you got to admit that. Oh, that was times. probably at least half of them. No, there's been some real. What's the what's the lousiest show ever, Steve? Oh man, that's a tough question. The there's, Heather's. The Heather's was really bad, um, just because I hated the movie, and and that was and that's that what, was a rough show on Steve, that's for sure. Well, and the St. Elmo's show reminded me a lot of that because oh, because we we attacked you. It just remi- it reminded me of the Heather's show all over again with you know two people who genuinely hated the movie. I, yeah, I, I, think I this, didn't. I think it works no, better when you I didn't love something. Say, eh, maybe I did say I hate it, but that wasn't a bad show. I, thought... I mean, the the shows that were a little tough. I mean, you know, for for maybe Steve and I. I mean, you know, the one that we did on fashion, uh, you know, fashion of the eighties. I mean, that was a little. You know, Who was in here for that? Who was the other that person? Was Gina and uh, Gina had a friend. That sounds right. Like started Gina. Yeah. <laughs> Gina had, had a friend. friend. Yeah, and we did, you know, we did an early one on the politics of the 80s, and I mean, it, you know, it, it didn't have, it had some important stuff in it, but, it, you know, it wasn't as lighthearted of a show as we normally would have. Right. I agree. But, you know, some of the things that, that I always enjoyed doing with, with Steve on these things was uh, was putting together some of the montages, you know, like the sound uh, montages that we do at the beginnings, and I thought that was really where we kind of, uh, you know, we kind of stepped up the show quite a bit. Uh, instead of just diving straight into it, you know, we try to set it up and kind of, kind of get a, a feel for the, what the show was going to be. Right, those were fun. We used to spend so much time hold away, and Dave used to have this office here uh, on the fourth floor of the Times headquarters building that was it was essentially a converted closet with an air handler and a sink and a, a mop mop collection. That was right. Writing was on the wall, Dave. <laughs> Uh, well, Dave, it's great talking to you. Hey, uh, we um, hope you enjoy the rest of the show. And Dave, uh, let's get together at Wing House. Hey, let's do it. I'm ready for those, uh, those. Uh, uh, what were they? Gosh, they were um, blackened, uh, skinless wings or something. They were yeah, great. let's do it. I, I miss you. I miss you. We'll see you soon. I miss you guys, too. Thanks for calling me. All right. Bye, Dave. Bye-bye. Very sincere uh, conversation there with the Mice. Extremely, he, it was always nice to look into the production room and see his uh, his big moon face smiling out at you. Yeah. I always felt comfort, comfortable with him behind the controls. You know what I always did whenever we were having a good show or whenever we had something that was going on? Just to, it, I used to always look in the booth to see, is he laughing? Yeah. And you'd see him literally roll back in his chair. There were times when I thought, boom, like I unloaded a great singer and I looked in there and it was like stone face. I'd be like, oh man, really? But if you, you knew he, it was good, if he was like dying, crying, like he one of the, like her. I have never seen him laugh harder. 
Never seen him laugh harder than when I told the Norway story. Okay, you want the Norway story. I have never, I, I really, I mean, listen, this stupid story, I told it again today. I had lunch with somebody, and uh, it was a, I had lunch with a young woman, and she didn't believe it. She thought, Mama, no, it was totally made up, fabricated. I'm like, this is the gospel, this happened. The Norway story, story no, story, the Nor- Norway story happened. Okay, well, to prove it once and for all, here it is again. Well, I'm going to tell a little Bon Scott story, and I'm going to tell you why I go with Brian Johnson, but it strictly has to do with a woman. When I was, uh, <laughs> when I was Natalie six, Diffenbaugh. When I, it, you know what? This is pre <laughs> Diffenbaugh, but she does kind of come into play a little bit. But okay. when I was uh, 17 years old, I was a foreign exchange student. Like Long Duck Dong and Sixteen Candles, I was a foreign exchange student to Norway. Have I told a Norway story before? No, no. And uh, I stayed no. with a host family uh, of, of, of healthy Norwegians, all very, very attractive. And there was Mona, the mom, who never wore a bra, and she had tremendously large boobs, and she was there, you know, always walking around, <laughs> but with the shirt on. Okay. You know, pay attention to that. There's a little <laughs> foreshadowing. And then the father was Bjorn, of course. <laughs> And he was, you know, he was a pretty sharp dude. He wasn't never really sure of me. He's like, you're a dreamer. You're a dreamer, Daly. I'm not going to do a Norwegian accent, but... Yeah, you, it sort of sounds more Brooklyn. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then there is Tor, my host brother, who I slept with. Tor? In his room. <laughs> Tor, T-O-R. And he was, he's 13. And then there was 15-year-old Trina, who looked like she was about 30. Sweet. And Trina was, I mean, no, no exaggeration. I mean, she was like Playboy material. I mean, unbelievable. And Trina and all her friends would always prance around in the nude. No. Yeah. And then, well, they'd have thongs on. And in fact, the first day I was there <laughs> staying with them, this beautiful summer day, and like they always ate outside. The Norwegians are very outdoorsy people, you know? And so Mona is like, Sean, bring the potatoes to the outside dining, you know, area. Is that a code so I, No, that's why I actually came out with the potatoes. I almost pulled like a Jack Tripper because when I came out, Trina would say like, "Oh, yahundula," you know, and, she, and her and her her she's naked, she's topless, she's all tan, blonde. I mean, unbelievable, like a Jane Mansfield or a Marilyn Monroe. Sweet. So anyway, um, she had a boyfriend named Fruta. Fruta and Fruta weighed about forty pounds, and he's stringy, really ugly son of a gun. Fruta, you know, little, you know, and scrawny. You can see his ribs, you know. And here he is with this buxom, beautiful blonde. But Fruta loved ACDC, not Brian Johnson, but only Bon Scott. And so Trina was making this beautiful hand knit Norwegian sweater. I mean, this thing would probably go for like a thousand bucks anywhere else. But it was this black and white sweater. But on the front, she had knitted. Part of the design was. Bon Scott, R.I.P. <laughs> and there was a drip of blood oh, coming off the page. But this tri- beautiful Norwegian, <laughs> and she was with this ridiculous slogan on the front. It should you know? have been a drip of vomit, if anything. So uh, I was really jealous about that. So like Fruta and I would battle, you know, and and I'd be and and, and I'd be like, ah, oh, Brian Johnson. He'd be like, no, Bon Scott, you know. And then he taught taunt me with his 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 you know Bon Scott sweater, you know. And he knew that I kind of had my eyes on on Trina. Cause she was hot. Don't pay attention to the fifteen year old thing. Nothing. <laughs> that happened. But anyway, halfway through my visit, I'm almost done with this. Halfway through my visit, Trina comes out one day and she's topless. And we're in the living room and I'm watching like some sitcom or something like that. And Mona's there, the mom. And, you know, I'm like, Auga, you know, my, you know cartoon <laughs> eyes, you know, like, you know, tongue uh, out. And Mona yells at Trina and says something like, Yahundu la kala. And she says, Mama, no. And she covers up her boobs and she ran back and put a shirt on. But ever after, after Mama, no, she uh, never, I never topless again. Really? And then I felt kind of lecherous.
And so there it is, the infamous Norway story. Maybe is there going to be another chance to to trot that out in the future? I mean, do you think there'll actually be a 200th episode of this podcast? I hope so. But if there is, we promise we'll bring it out for that occasion only. What was the episode you used that on? Was it, it was ACDC versus uh, Guns so that's and That's my Roses. favorite episode. Yeah. That my favorite a- episode. We are, if you haven't heard that episode, it's really good. Guns N' Roses versus ACDC. Yeah. A lot of people uh, – we gained a lot of fans after that show. Um, I know one person who wrote us specifically after that show was a, a young man named uh, Craig Cantardi. Oh, I love Cantardi. And it wouldn't be a, a special show without a fan greeting from him. Alexandria, Virginia. First of all, congratulations on reaching the amazing achievement of 100 episodes. That puts you in some very exclusive company. Steve and Sean, please be sure to thank Gina, Kathy, Chase, Rick, and all the other guest hosts you've ever had going back to the beginning. I'm not exaggerating when I say that yours is my absolute favorite podcast. I'd have to say my favorite episode is probably number 90, the ACDC episode with Brian Johnson. He was such a great interview subject. My least favorite? Episode 47 with the Cars. Like their live performances, I thought it was too short and lacked any surprises. Definitely looking forward to the next 100 episodes and beyond, and I'm proud to tell everyone I know how firmly I am stuck in the 80s. Cause you threw it away to fall in love with the 80s. Man, Cantardi. I love that he's reeling off uh, uh, episode numbers. Yeah. I don't even remember the cars. I don't th- was I in that one? That's the one that you swear we never did. Yeah, <laughs> I think I was during my heroin phase. The cars, really? We did two shows in a day one time, and the cars was one of them. And I think that's probably why we didn't have quite our, like our zen-like material going then. But uh, I, I have no recollection. I kind of like that I can't remember. Well, they do suck in concert, you know, and just like Cantardi says, I've never seen them, but I but they have a reputation for that. And, uh, you know, of all the music I still play from the 80s, I don't probably play a lot of Cars music anymore. I, I don't, not for any good reason. <laughs> the Cars one, I told my Missy Hansick story when she was, <laughs> in the, in the <laughs> she pool. was doing her gymnastics and the Cars Magic was playing. And I couldn't leave the deep end because little Sean was like, Ooh. "That's right." Now you're. <laughs> and I was just kind of like treading water. I was like, "Set a Guinness Book World Record," because uh, Missy Hansen was like in a bikini and she was like stretching her foot behind her, her head. God, that uh, I'm a little, I need a moment. <laughs> I need a moment to. Whew, I wonder what she's doing. She was built. She had a killer body for what were we were probably like. I didn't want to say how old we were. <laughs> Is it bad? Like, if I was back in that memory, and I remember her, if she was only, like, 14 or 13. And if you'd say she had a hot body now, does it Does sound that pervy? make me? Because it's not, like, because I was in the deep end, you know? Is it really weird now to say? It, it has a certain... Uh, creepiness? Creepiness to it, but... Well, at the time, I really appreciated Missy Hansick's body. Hey, guys, this is Marty out in Los Angeles, California. Just wanted to congratulate you on 100 fantastic podcasts. Between Steve's research and the amazing guests you get and Sean's mama no, I am thoroughly entertained every time I listen. Keep up the great work. Look forward to 100 more. Uh-oh, it's magic. <laughs> hey, Sean, you coming in? We're eating now. Uh, no, I'm just going to keep treading yeah. water. Just bring me a foot-long bun. <laughs> 
Um, I someone who puts you in your place, though. You know, it's like you, you pretty much kind of get away with everything you want on the show. You know, who I, me? I, yeah, I mean, I bleep you every once in a while, and you tell your wiener jokes, and you uh, you make fun of my age, which is actually only forty. Uh, but when we interviewed Huey Lewis, oh, I know you hate yeah. hearing the words. Whereas once Huey Lewis was a positive association in your mind, nowadays I think you just, you just get green in the face because you know what's going to happen. Play the clip, and then I'm going to set the record straight. Here we go. Sean versus Huey. <laughs> All right, easy question. What's your favorite song that you've done? There's no such thing as a favorite Come song. Come on. Trouble in Paradise. It's a, it's a lousy question, and you shouldn't ask him <laughs> that. No, no. What, uh, first of all, the other thing you shouldn't do... That's you not... Should, I, I know deep down, because... ...the end of the year to naming the top ten anything. Because <laughs> you're a critic. And if you're a critic, you should point out the difference in things. What are the top five paintings of all time? Where's, uh, where's Mona Lisa? Dogs, dogs playing poker is number one. What? Dogs playing poker. Yeah, all right. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> oh, come on, it's Huey. It's a lousy question. What's your favorite song? That's not true. Because top? even if you ask, um, even like sometimes you get parents saying like in the deep, dark recess of the brain, they have a favorite kid. <laughs> right? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I you know, I... I agree with you, oh. Huey. It's a, it's a rotten question. Oh, I would never ask you. Kiss it, Huey's ass. No, I'll, I'll kiss Huey's last ass all I want. <laughs> but it's one of the lousy questions you hear yeah. over and over again, well, and and and, and it's, it's it's just not. I mean, I'm trying to help you here. Yeah. You know, well, Steve. Well, let me. Uh, really, uh, a great critic would never ask a question. Oh like that. wow! But it's right in there. It's right in there with how did you get the name the news? And <laughs> I was. You know, I'm I'm crossing that off the list right now. Yeah, I mean, you know, who cares? For Christ's sake. Well, let me let me, let me ask you this then. Um, every time I see a band, especially from the '80s, there's always one song that when they when you when they first hit the couple chords of it, the crowd just explodes with anticipation. They know right. this is their song. Which which song when you hit live that you get? Do you really sense the greatest audience yeah. swell? Uh, probably Power Love. You know what? There you go. There's the way to ask that question if you want. What what song are you proudest of? Sweet. That's a better way to ask. That Sean, I am the new pop music critic <laughs> for the same few times. Okay, <laughs> so Huey got a little cranky, but here's my thing, is that I remember when that was happening, you, Steve, you were looking at me like, man, stop pissing off Huey Lewis, you know? However, I think Huey's like a guy's guy thing, so when people came up to me after that aired, after that episode aired, they're like, man, you got bitch slapped by Huey Lewis, I'm like, not, no, it was a good thing, it was a good, interesting interview, I mean, you know, and I think Huey appreciated us actually caring about him i mean yeah i mean maybe it was lazy on my part i mean if i was doing like an interview for the paper like i wouldn't ask pete townsend what's your favorite song but at the time in the context i thought it was okay and i thought it was pretty funny that he unloaded on me and i didn't back down well, what's really funny and a lot of people don't know this is um he didn't back down sean did not back down and for the rest of the interview sean kept throwing little barbs <laughs> at, at Huey. but at that point i was so sensitive about it because uh, I, I didn't want it to sound like we were beating up on Huey. So I ended up editing out most of Sean's comments that he would make later in the show about Huey. Because at one point, you and Huey got into it again, and you said, well, Huey, you called me a shitty critic. And Huey said, I never said that. You know, And he, you guys kind of flared up again. Flared up. And then a couple times you kind of said, I'm going to get you, Huey. I'm going to, you know, and I, I cut those out too, so... I mean, for those who kind of think that Sean backed down, he didn't. He he kind of kept giving it as good as he was getting it. But uh, I think there should be a director's cut 
of that episode to show people what really happened. I demand justice. You're out of order. You're out of order. The whole trial is out of order. They're out of order. You'll have no I think I still think it's a great show. And people didn't realize. I mean, and I think that you at that point, like, that's my job is I interview these people. And you, you were just that was like an early interview, right? And so where you thought What's the line Cuba Gooding says in, uh, you think we're fighting? I think we're finally starting to get along. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh. Well, it's tough because, I mean, Huey is kind of a. The, the only trouble is, I know we had gotten him. It was early in the morning. He had just flown in from the West Coast. And so he was probably working on two hours of sleep and two bottles of Jack Daniels. Yeah. And maybe he felt like he didn't want to be a punching bag, but that wasn't what was going on. Yeah. And I thought we established early in that interview, if you go back and listen to the whole thing, that we knew what we were talking about. Like, we actually bothered to go and, and, and do a little research. So anyway, I still think it's funny, and I wear it as a badge of honor that uh, Huey got pissed off at me. Ah, uh, yes, my friends. It may be the 100th show, but we're not getting away without another reader mailbag. Hey, we uh, just had produced our 99th show the other day, and... Amazingly enough, before I even had a chance to really pimp it on the blog, I got a ton of reader mail um, about that episode, which was the best one-hit wonders of 1986. And uh, one of the uh, letters we got was from Candace Halfacre. I love that name. It's like something out of Dickens. It is. So, Sean, please do the honors. Yes. Dear Sean and the other guy. I just finished. Li- nah, it doesn't say that. I just finished listening to the podcast on my way into work, and before I shackled myself to my desk to begin the daily grind, I just had to take a moment to let you know that I thought this podcast was fan freaking tastic. Definitely one of your greatest hits, and I have heard them all. The only thing that would have made it better would have been if Kathy had been there. I miss her already, but that doesn't mean you and Sean are second string by any means. Listening to this uh, means listening to this interview reminded me to throw in my vote for a B-52s podcast. I am sure this is probably already on your to-do list, but the band does have a new album on the horizon, so what better time? Is there any other band that can compare to their style and sound? What do you think, Steve, of B-52s? Yeah, we need to do them soon. Yeah, we'll see. And Steve, I know you are a Patty Smythe fan, and I am hoping that you can give a fellow fan a helping hand. I recently discovered that I am missing a rare track in my collection. The song is I Run Right Back from the Caddy T- Caddyshack 2 soundtrack. That explains why I missed it. I just had the pleasure of seeing Patty and Scandal live last week, and even though this was the third time I have attended a show, I must say that I was absolutely blown away. Vocally, I don't think she could have been any better. The show ranks as one of the best live shows I have ever attended. I sincerely hope that being on the road again is going to inspire her for new music. Once every 10 years is just torture. Keep up the good work and happy anniversary. Love, Candace Halfacre. Ah, very nice. Yeah. Yeah, that was a nice letter. Caddyshack 2 soundtrack. Did that actually come out? Is that available on iTunes? Can you get that? Because I know we have a favorite song from that. Well, yeah. Uh, I, you know, I, Nobody's I, Fooled by I, Kenny Loggins. I don't know. I, I imagine you could probably go on uh, on Amazon, maybe. I don't know. It depends on who uh, well, what the label is. I beseech our listeners out there, if you have a copy of it, let us know. I run right back by uh, Scandal and Patty Smythe. Yeah. I remember I, I took a lot of crap. We did a show. Oh, man. I took a lot of shit for that show. When I, we're talking about Patty Smythe. Yeah. And, I, and, and she right. was great, and she was gracious. And then I said that she looked like her face had been left in the microwave too long. That was a terrible thing to say. Yeah. She looked good. Six Who would really say mad. such a Six thing? Was mad at you Six was mad. I'm not. Hey, I'm not George Clooney. 
I'm not even Rosemary Clooney. <laughs> and for me, to put down someone else's looks is just wrong. So I apologize. She is a beautiful woman. But thanks, Candace Halfacre. That was a great letter. Keep the emails coming. Remember, the address is stuckinthe80s at tampabay.com. Email us, and next week you will be on Reader Mailbag. Ah, the mystical refrain of Name That 80s Tune. Hey, special challenge this week. Mr. Peter Kofsky in Oakland has compiled a special montage challenge for all of us to try out. Ooh, I like these. When was the last montage challenge, Steve? Uh, Mr. David Morrison did one for us a long time ago. That was the... Was that uh, Love? Love. And uh, so we've got a special one that we've cooked up for you this week. Now, t- in order to make it work, you've got to name all five clips, the song, the song and the artist. Are you ready, Sean? Yeah, I, I suck at these. Here we go. Sounds great. I have no idea. Maybe I, a, I know two. Maybe, maybe two. three. Maybe three on a good day. Really? Are you stumped as well? Um, it's just it, they come at you too fast. Yeah. But uh, hey, if you can get them, I will. I swear, I will scare up a prize for you. Whether it's a uh, CD, a promotional CD that we've gotten, or a uh, stuck in the eighties magnet, be the first to email us at stuck in the eighties at tampa dot com, and you too can be a wiener. I'm calling for my dad, Michael, who listens to your podcast in Iraq. Happy 100th episode! Just a little more time is all we're asking. Oh, that's great. Thanks for the message. I hope your dad's doing great over there. Um, it's amazing when we get emails from people all around the world. Glad you're enjoying the podcast. Yeah, that is awesome. I love that. Hey, listen, you, you, you referenced earlier that uh, about the next hundred shows. Eesh. Let me ask you, who, who's your top three of people you'd love to interview? I know, I probably know one of them. I know your number one. Your number one is? Cameron Crowe. Yeah. Cameron Crowe, yeah. And it's kind of weird because I actually talked to his wife, Nancy Wilson, and I did ask her a little bit about Cameron. And I was kind of hoping that, you know, maybe he's in the house. Maybe she'll, you know, say, "Hey, you know, he's here. You can say hi to him if you want." And you know, no such luck. Yeah. But um, no, he's number one on my list. Who else? Uh, John Hughes, obviously. Now, John Hughes is—I mean, he's the get everybody wants from Rolling Stone to Vanity Fair to Stuck yeah. in the Eighties. I mean, every—I mean, he's reclusive. He doesn't talk to anybody, and that is just a tremendous get if you can get him. Imagine if Stuck in the Eighties got it before anybody. No, I can't. To be honest. Um, There's got to be a way to do it. If anyone out there has any suggestions on how to get in touch with Mr. Hughes, you let us know, okay? You know who I really like to interview? I like Danny Elfman. Danny Elfman from Boingo Boingo. I think that'd be a good one. And I know you would like to interview him. That'd be an interesting interview because I know you, you know, Boingo 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 is fine. But, uh, you know, I'd like to ask him about his soundtrack work. Yeah, I know. You're a big fan of his. You didn't actually know too much Wango Boingo before we did I that didn't. show. And you, you, you learned me. You learned me. We learned you just well. <laughs> I think we had like four grammatical mistakes in that last time. <laughs> you, know, um, you know who I'm trying to get Rocious. is, uh, you know, and, and we've talked about this. I'm right now trying to negotiate an interview with Slash, obviously from Guns N' Roses and Velt Revolver. Velt Revolver is coming to town. So I'm really trying to get that Slash interview for a profile in the paper, but also I think it might be a fun stuck in the 80s yeah. 
you know, so we'll see if I can scare that up. Other people that are coming up, I know for sure. Obviously, the lead singer for the Scorpions, Klaus Mina, because I talked to him last it night. It is Mina. Mina. We weren't sure how to pronounce his last name. It's, it's real subtle on that last syllable. Mine. Yeah. Um, Kevin Cronin from REO Speedwagon. Awesome. We're told that we're going to talk to him at some point. I love it. I so love it. You might hear, be hearing from him soon. Uh, you know, a couple other people. Dennis DeYoung is coming to town. DDY. Soon. DDY is coming. Uh, Night Ranger could be. I want Jack Blades. I love coming. Jack Blades. We might get them soon. Uh, and then beyond that, we'll just have to see. Cool. Sometimes you just luck out. Martha Quinn was just a total luck out. She just happened to be promoting something, you know. How about some? Um, how about some uh, future episodes? Top metal albums of the '80s. You and I really disagree on this. That's going to be an interesting show because I think you and I have different definitions of metal. Right. We've been working on our blogs on this. Sean's blogs at both our blogs are at TampaBay.com, but blo- Sean's is blogs.tampabay.com/slash/popmusic minus slash '80s. And uh, everyone, and you still beat me three to one. Nah, you're a monster. But uh, well, top metal albums, we'll probably do. Uh, you'll probably hear us do some hair metal, which we've kind of ignored in the first two years. Yeah, we'll, 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 let's be really hairy. Let's be quite hair suit. <laughs> the next hundred shows, that'd be nice. And of course, the big drama, the big plot line. Of uh, the next few shows is going to be what's going to happen with the co-host. Right. Can we get another co-host? Well, there, is there another woman on earth who would uh, want to sit in a closed windowless room with me and Sean with poor ventilation? <laughs> we have to seduce somebody into our lair. Yeah. I, personally, I don't think it's, it's going to be hard to replace uh, Gina and Kathy, but I'm sure it can be done. And the quest continues. In the meantime, it's sausage fest all the time here. It's stuck I in the love s- sausage all the time. Sausage all the time. Well, well, well. One hundred episodes, huh? G'day. This is Richard here from Kiwiland, otherwise known as New Zealand. We would like to send you the best for episode one hundred. We all only have a week to wait for episode 101, or we could wait just over 17 years for episode 1000. Whatever fate awaits you, congratulations guys. Episode 100, Stuck in the 80s, from Retro Hit Radio, Auckland, New Zealand. Uh, Well, it's been a blast. It has been. A hundred shows. I think I've done maybe 80 of them. Maybe more. At least. Maybe more. Maybe less. Probably enough. 80's probably enough. Any more than that, it's too much daily. But you, Steve Spears, you are a wild man. You are a madman. When you stole that cow and your friend tried to make it with the cow, I want to party with you, cowboy. The two of us together, forget it. No, uh, congratulations. Really, you've done a great, great thing here. You and I don't, I'm not going to get mushy here. Um, because we're two grown men and we don't like to do that, but uh, really, congratulations! You've uh, done a tremendous job on this. Thanks, Sean. It's uh, it's lightning in a bottle, baby. It really is the blog and the show. So, congratulations on 100. Well, and my special thanks to all the fans out there around the world who continue to listen to us. Uh, we're doing it for you, and as long as you keep emailing us and telling us you're loving it, then we're going to keep doing it. And, uh, and until then, until that dark day comes, me, Sean. This uh, black tape recorder, my bottle of... Uh, Your hairy knuckles. My hairy knuckles. <laughs> We're all going to sit here firmly stuck in the 80s.
Stuck in the 80s is produced by the St. Petersburg Times and TampaBay.com. To read our blog, go to blogs.tampabay.com slash 80s. Email us at stuckinthe80s at tampabay.com. And remember to subscribe to the podcast at iTunes.